Okay, it's not actually Julia Tesherian, Mike DiStefano. Mike DiStefano, my buddy Al's brother, still on his all-inclusive cruise. He looks like he's enjoying himself. And, you know, we've been pretty bitter about this all week, except specifically today during this freezing rain. But I'm very glad to have my other Italian compadre here, Luca Celebre, with us on Leaf's Lunch for the day. Thanks How you feeling, Luca? Huh? I'm doing great. I mean, yeah, today is horrible weather. Like, you're you're sliding everywhere. It's gross. walking, so Mike is uh, he's having a good one. Yeah, I feel like west of the city, I was looking at, sometimes I get joy out of looking at, like, the weather radar. So west <laughs> of the city. It's cool. You can, you can like scroll this. through a timeline and see the storm roll through. And that's what I was nerding out on this morning. And apparently west of the city, they're getting snow right now so shout out to mississauga and halton and all those areas they're getting mm-hmm. hammered with snow um but here it's just like gross freezing rain and it is not very pleasant no uh pleasant though is craig button and we're gonna have him on in the next couple minutes craig hannah johnny lazarus will also join us a little bit later in the show but most importantly today the leafs have the new york rangers tonight in the big apple on the road they're looking to make it a franchise record uh 15th straight game with a point mitch marner looking to continue his stare with his 23 game point streak and it should be an interesting one that you could watch on tsn4 Samsonov will get the start tonight, Luca. And Sa- no, not Samsonov. Sorry, Samsonov coming off back-to-back shutouts. It'll be Matt Murray that gets the start. And so the plan is that Samsonov will get the start versus his former team in Washington on Saturday night. It's kind of a treat when you can go to either goalie, and they're both rolling pretty well right now. Imagine thinking this at the beginning of the season. Like right? this was this was not something anyone thought was possible, where both goalies would be. Like top ten in save percentage and goals against. Oh, try can... best tandem in the league, oh, Luca. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I don't know anybody who expected that to be the case uh, right now on December fifteenth. But it is Samsonov, best save percentage in the league. Matt Murray, not far behind, unless something changed last night. I think he was in fourth when I checked yesterday. He had a little bit of a tough outing versus Calgary, mm-hmm. um, but. I, I think we've got to believe the workload that we've seen from him thus far and think that he'll bounce back tonight versus New York. It's going to happen. There are going to be those tough nights. I mean, the most impressive part of them doing this, too, is like they're doing this with all of the injuries on the Leafs blue line right now. And with so many of those top guys out, like they're still playing so well behind this kind of just battered up group yeah. with Mark Giordano leading the way, which of course we all saw coming. So it's uh, it's super impressive what's going on. And you're going to have off nights for sure. Calgary's a, a pretty potent team offensively, although they've gone through some struggles of their own. Mm-hmm. But yeah, nothing to worry about. Yeah, it feels like nobody's just gone, maybe the New Jersey Devils, but nobody's just gone with smooth sailing to start the season, hey? Like, Pittsburgh was looking in disarray. They ripped off a bunch of wins. New York was a team you could have circled a couple weeks, not even a couple weeks ago, like last week as a team that Mm -hmm. was really struggling to start the season. They've won four in a row now. They're looking for their fifth win in a row versus the Leafs tonight and to spoil uh, their party. So I I guess in the early parts of the season, it's easier to to react to things because points percentages and and numbers just look so skewed when it comes to the first month and a half, two months of the season. Uh, Things starting to level out now. Anyways, back to goaltending. Samsonov will start versus Washington, his old team, Matt Murray tonight versus the New York Rangers. I I saw some discourse online that people thought it was strange they were going to Murray tonight, but why stray from a plan that is currently working? Mm -hmm. Don't question it. No, I I, I like the fact that they, they have this 
specific plan set too. Like Keith is not Keith always kind of likes to hold his hand close to his chest when it comes to goaltending. But he's been pretty clear about this plan that they have. They're not going to, just because one guy gets hot, and Samsonov obviously is that guy right now, even though Murray's been pretty good too, they're not just going to let him let him ride in net right now. They're going to keep going back and forth in order to uh, preserve both of them. Uh, we know how they both have histories with injury. And this is what Sheldon Keefe had to say about the fact that, you know, this team could really play in front of either goalie, and they have confidence no matter who's in the net, whether it be Samsonov or Murray. Well, I think it's I think it's great. Of course, it, it does. Like I was saying, it it gives you confidence no matter what the situation. If you make a mistake, they're going to be there. Um, but what to me the best part of it is, I, I just feel like it, it, we're not relying on it to necessarily. Like our our players are doing a great job in front of them, um, and then if we do have a crack, then they're there. And that's why we've been on the run that we have been because you're not going to play perfect hockey, even though we're playing great defensively. You're not going to be perfect. You need your goaltenders to make saves for you, and they have. And we've come to rely and expect that, rely on and expect that. But uh, our players haven't taken it for granted. I guess that's an important note too. They even though both of their goaltenders have been playing so well, there hasn't been a reliance on those goaltenders. No, I mean the fact that they can even say that is wild. Where it's been like we can we can actually rely on these guys and expect them to play well every night. When at the beginning of the season it was such a question mark. But you're right. Like they they haven't needed to just fully rely on them. It's amazing that they're getting this goaltending, but offensively, like they're they're just ripping teams apart offensively and they're playing such a complete game that we've come to know from this team like this is the Leafs team we expect to see almost every night yeah and we hope we see it tonight against the New York Rangers it's a game you can watch on TSN 4 Matt Murray will get the start tonight we're gonna have Craig Button on here Ooh, Craig Button here right now our TSN hockey analyst Craig how are you doing this Thursday I am doing amazing, and I'm going to see you this weekend. Am I not, Julia? We are. We're going to Cornwall, and I'm excited. And you know what, Craig? I actually have to tell you something right now. I have I have yet to complete the research task that you assigned me, but I've been I've been grinding for it, and I've yet to I've yet to uncover the information. That's surprising in and of itself. So it can only tell me one thing. Is it you haven't had time to, to do the research because if you would have, you would have probably found it in mere seconds. I keep getting farmer. I keep getting back to farmer. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I gave you an out, Julie. I just gave you an out and you didn't take it. Okay. I, I'm not taking an out. I'm going to find it before I see you. Uh, Craig Butner, TSN hockey analyst, on the phone right now. The Leafs have the Rangers tonight in the big city. And, Craig, we were just talking about goaltending. And the fact that Sheldon Keefe and the Maple Leafs team feel really comfortable no matter who's in the net right now. How advantageous is that for the Leafs that they have this bit of uh, almost healthy competition happening between both these goalies who are rolling so well right now? I would answer that two ways. So the first one was it's advantageous. Number two, it's their situation. So, you know, when Sheldon Keefe, excuse me, when Cal Dubas, you know, looked for his goaltending uh, this summer, you know, he makes the trade for Matt Murray, and then he, he signs Ilya Samsonov. And, you know, I think that Matt Murray has shown unequivocally that he can really benefit in a tandem situation. Ilya Samsonov, you know, surprised, in my view, surprised that he was let go by the Washington Capitals. But 
that's to the Toronto Maple Leafs benefit. And you, you know, when you when you have a tandem uh, where a younger goaltender like Samsonov, you know, can benefit from Matt Murray, and Matt Murray can benefit from a from a good solid goaltender like Samsonov. That's the advantageous part. But I think one of the key things here is understanding exactly what you have. You know, it's not trying to force one to be the number one or, you know, somebody to be a backup. It's saying, this is what we have. Now let's see how it uh, unfolds. Obviously, Matt got hurt in the first game of the season. Ilya Samsonov got in there and took over. You know, Matt came back. He's been solid. Ilya's come back. He's been solid. I, I, I always, in, I'm always careful to not to, to, to make sure I mention Eric Schalgren because he, he's been really good. Yeah. So we're talking about a trio of goaltenders. You know, I, I know when the when the injuries happened and, and you're looking at it, I mean, they, they, had, to, uh, they had to sign, uh, geez, I'm forgetting uh, the, 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 the goalie they had to sign for the Marlies. Uh, I've, I've gone blank. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But they had to sign him. And, and what, what did Sheldon Keith and Cal Gruber say? Goes, it's not the ideal situation to have to go so deep into your, into your uh, roster to try to find a goalie to just serve as a backup. But I think what's happened for the Leafs is that they have uh, found a way to, 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 for the goaltenders, namely Murray and Samsonov, to really benefit from one another. And, and, and I think that's the way that it was envisioned. It's been such a great tandem to watch. And last week you said that the Leafs were focusing in on details that would help them be successful in the postseason. Obviously, goaltending is, is going to be a huge factor in the postseason. Odog says they look like a completely different team. What would you say maybe the biggest change has been in their recent stretch of games where they've really put that Coyotes loss behind them where everyone was freaking out and now they've come to be playing like the team we expected them to be? Well, Luca, nice to hear from you. I, I, I was exchanging a note with uh, Steph, and, you know, it's the Christmas season, so I'm just going to call you Luca Baby. I like it. The Santa Baby, Luca, the Santa Baby song, Luca Baby. Yeah, that works. Anyway. That works for me, Craig. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because when you, when you have a, a, a team with such a passionate following as the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, everything gets dissected, and sometimes dissected to the nth degree, and unnecessarily dissected. But when, when you have that type of a following and that type of, uh, uh, of, of passion for your team, you know, that, 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 that's part and parcel of it. So when the team was struggling, and, and they were struggling, make no mistake about it, you know, they themselves, and, 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 and Luca, you just mentioned when I talk about things that change, you talk about, oh, uh, and, and the things that he talked about looks like a different team. I, I've said this continuously, and I will continue to say, you know, they're a team that sees themselves as a Stanley Cup contender. So, therefore, you have to evaluate their play on that basis. Not like, okay, they're okay here, or they're okay there. If you want to be a Stanley Cup contender, there's details, habits, things that have to be firmly entrenched in your game. They weren't as they came back from that West Coast trip. But since that point in time, and, and, and again, I think this is important. It, it, it's, not about, it's not about showing me or you or the fan base. It's about showing themselves what they're capable of. Words don't mean anything. I don't want to hear any more about what you think you've learned. You need to show me what you've learned. You need to show me that you're going to dial into the details to be a Stanley Cup contender, not tell me about it. And I think the Maple Leafs, since they got back from the West Coast, have done that unequivocally. And everybody's done it. Not just the top players. And, and, and they've done it in, in all the, what I think are important areas for winning. And 
ultimately you want to compete for the Stanley Cup. But if you don't have those details in place, and, they, and, and keep in mind, I, I want to emphasize this word, entrenched. You don't right. just get to decide at the beginning of the playoffs, okay, we're going to now start to implement these details. You have to have them entrenched. And I think the Leafs have really done a great, let me emphasize, great job of, of entrenching those details into their game. And I think that not only has it led to their success, I think it bodes very well for their future. Yeah, I think people were tired of the lip service, and, and the Leafs yep. were tired of giving it to, and they've really showed us that they do care about those details now. And if we're talking about over-analysis, there was a moment in that Ducks game that really stood out to me, Craig. Uh, Leafs were up 2 nothing or, or 3 nothing at some point during the first period. It was clear kind of at that point that they were running away with the game. And Mark Giordano was out there blocking shots. Uh, and that just kind of stood out to me as a moment that, you know, like they're not just mailing it in here in this December game that could feel like a nothing one during, versus the Anaheim Ducks. And it's, it's those details that have really been standing out to me. Yeah, and, and, and I think it's a great example, Julia, uh, of, of something that when you talk about, you know, doing whatever you feel needs to be done at that moment in time. The, the game is made up of 60 minutes at the very least. And, you know, when you get to the playoffs, sometimes more than that, and certainly in the regular season with overtime. If you, I believe, successful teams have to be able to understand that every single play has to be treated as an important play. Because at the end of the game, you do not know what play will turn out to be a determining play. And, and it's not just one play, but there's a number of plays over the course of time. And coaches will go back and say, if we, if we manage this part of the game better, but players have to understand that every single play can be treated. If you treat it significantly and as important, then you're not going to look back and say, well, geez, if I did this or I didn't get on the wrong side there or I bared down on the puck here. That, to me, is, is, is what successful teams do. And you just pointed it out with Mark Giordano. And it, it's a great example, and, it, and, and it's a highlighted example. But, but I think there's so many different ways for that to be conveyed. You know, think about, think about what happened after the game. Think about after the game. Who did Matt Murray give the belt to? Oh, his his tandem partner in Samsonov. Oh, didn't he give it to David Camp? Oh, am I wrong about that? What? I think I think it was Samsonov for his second shutout in a row. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. But you know what? It was actually Camp the game before, or was it Willie? I don't know. But great point either way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I'm pointing out is, is that David Camp, if you recall the game when Pierre Engvall scored the winning goal late in the game. Yeah. David Camp comes tracking back through the middle of the ice hard, hard, hard. Intercepts the pass. And all of a sudden it turns up, boom, that was against San Jose. It was against San Jose. And, you know, Thomas Hurdle, good player, trying to make a cross-ice pass. David Camp, it, like, because he's, how many times do we hear about tracking back hard? Well, that's a play where David Camp, that play happens dozens of times in a game. You don't know when it's going to be important. It turned out to be critically important right at that moment in time. Winning goal. Yeah, <laughs> you and and but if you don't do it every time, you don't know when it's going to lead to something successful or worse. If you don't do it, when it's going to lead to something that's part of your demise. And I think that the Leafs have done a great job of it. And Matt Murray, who's won two Stanley Cups, understands the importance of each and every player contributing in their own way, because all the contributions become significant and important over time. 
You're not going to win a Stanley Cup. You're not going to compete for a Stanley Cup by having by having only certain players contribute. Yeah. All the players have to contribute to the best of their abilities. That's the way you win. Yeah, it's the little things that are adding up into big things right now. I'm remembering Matt Murray gave it to Zach Aston Reese once, and I forget what game it was, but it was a great game where Zach Aston Reese was. Um, he made a couple big hits, and, and you know that Matt Murray knows what it takes to win. Uh, our TSN yeah. hockey analyst Craig Button on the phone right now, and your core four under 24 just released this morning on tsn.ca. Dallas came in first, but can you tell us a little bit about how those rankings work and where exactly you had uh, our Toronto Maple Leafs since we're on Leafs lunch here? I just put all the teams in a hat and I just ah, picked them up. I like, like it. It's just, it's just so, Luca, it's just willy-nilly. I mean, I could tell you about the in-depth analysis we do, the hours spent on it, but, but we just really? put them out of the hat. And, and <laughs> also, I, I do want to say one thing. Keith Petrozelli, I, I apologize for not having his name, but I mean, playing with the Marlies, they have to sign him to an NHL contract. He was the goaltender I was referencing earlier, yeah. so I, I apologize for not having uh, for not having Keith's name ready at the, because because I should have known that. Anyway, so the core four under twenty four is players under twenty four years of age as the beginning of the of the regular season. Uh, so you know that's October eleventh, and we, we, what we do is is we go and evaluate all the NHL teams for the players under twenty four at that point in time, and try to grade them individually, and then grade the teams overall as to you know wh- how many players they have and what quality of players they have under that age group. Now the Toronto Maple Leafs for a long time had Austin Matthews, William Nylander, Mitch Marner, yeah. so they were going to be right at the top of the list. You know, that's not the case as those players get, get to be 24 and older. You, and, and what ends up happening with the Leafs coming in at 22 is that they've traded first-round draft picks. They've traded some of their prospects. Those younger guys that are brilliant became older. And, and it, it's inevitable that you're going to fall off with, you know, some of your, uh, some of your, great, your rankings in terms of that. You know, uh, you know Rasmus Sandin is number one on the list. Number two is Matthew Nyes. We have Topi Niemela. We have uh, uh, Timothy Lilligren. So the Toronto Maple Leafs have two players, uh, like playing on their team, on a very good team that are in the uh, are in their core four. But nobody's going to say that Rasmus Sandin is is, is a top notch defenseman or Timothy Lilligren. But when you trade first round draft picks and you trade prospects. This is what it's inevitable as you try to pursue the goal of strengthening your team with the Matthews and the Marners and the Travaris's and the Nylanders and the Rileys. That's what you have to do. The 32nd team on our ranking is the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that should come as no surprise because they traded first round picks. They've been to the Stanley Cup final three consecutive years, winning two Stanley Cups. That is the cost of trying to compete and strengthen your team uh, to, 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 to compete and be in, in the Stanley Cup contention. That's where the Leafs find them. They, they, I, I think Topi Niemo is going to be a, a real solid NHL player. We're already seeing where Sandine and Lilligren are. I think that uh, Matthew Nyes can be a real good, solid contributor at the NHL level. But they're not the quality of player that the Dallas Stars have under 24 or the Calgary, or, or excuse me, or the Ottawa Senators or Montreal Canadiens. But if you look at those teams, <laughs> you know, Dallas is maybe a little bit different, but Ottawa and Montreal are rebuilding. You know, they're looking to the future. Toronto's looking to the present. And you can't, to me, you, you can't serve both at the same time. 
you are either going to be having good players that are competing at, at the top end of the of the league for the cup, or you're going to be in a in a position where you have a bunch of younger players. The Anaheim Ducks, they're, they're a team in the top ten. They're right at the bottom of the league. You can't be a contender and then have all like, like a lot of top young players. It just doesn't work that way for the most part. Definitely. Yeah, that's how these things work sometimes. And sticking with the Leafs four for just one second, because if, if you're a Leafs fan, you're probably wondering where's Nick Robertson. And was he omitted just because of the injuries, or do you just think that he hasn't really shown much yet to be warranting of being in that top four yet for the Leafs? I, I, and, and there's two things there, uh, Luke. I think that the first thing I'll explain is this is fluid. Players move up, players move down, right? Mm-hmm. And p- players get surpassed, right? And, you know, a couple of years ago, you know, Nick Robertson was, was a player that was clearly one of the guys they were counting on. But, you know, I, I think your other word, yet, certainly applies right now because we're, we're, you're, not, you're not dismissing Nick, but at this point in time, he hasn't shown enough to, to, for our definition to be listed in the top four. You, you have to be, you know, like a, an A player, which is a, a number one goalie, top pair defenseman, first line forward. And if you're a B player, you've got to be a second line forward. Nick simply hasn't shown to this point in time that he, he's in that group. And when they're a little bit younger, we're a little bit more forgiving with projection. And, and we might say, okay, you, you're going to be this. I'll give you a perfect example of that. Uri Slavkowski, who was the first overall pick, okay, we have him as an A prospect. I'm not so sure he's going to be a first-line uh, first player when it's all said and done. I think he'll be, at the very least, a, a second-line player. But, you know, right now, we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt at 18 years of age that he's an A player. Alexi Lafreniere, who was the first overall pick a few years ago, we got him as a third-line player now. Yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's because he hasn't shown it. So, you know, Nick Robertson, it's not that he, to your point, yet, okay, but, you know, we're, we're evaluating this all the time, all the time, and watching where players are, are, are moving and developing and progressing or not progressing, and, and, and that's just part and parcel of the whole thing. It's not a static exercise. It's a continuous exercise. Nick simply has is, 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 is not shown that he belongs in that category right now. Yeah, okay, I love your comment, Craig, about the fact that uh, competing teams can have deep, deep prospect pools if they're expecting to win a Stanley Cup, and, and there's you're either going to be a competing team or a team with a deep prospect pool. And, and right now, the Leafs are in as win-now as a mode as I've kind of ever seen them in. This It's not a secret that this is kind of the last kick at the can uh, with this course specifically. Like, we've heard time and time again they've told us. But yesterday, I was arguing, no, I was arguing with, uh, who was on, I think it was Cause yesterday. Tell me, what's up? No, no, I'm listening to you. Okay, uh, I think a lot of people have all four of those players, Sandy, Nyes, Nimala, and Lilligren, on their list as you cannot move these players uh, in order to make a deal towards the trade deadline. And, and we've been hearing whisperings of there was a Ryan O'Reilly report recently. People are kind of looking at Bo Horvat as potential guys the Leafs might want to bring in. Is is kind of everything on the table to you when it comes to the Leafs if they really are going to be in a win-now mode? So the first thing I wanted to say is, is when you said, you know, that window is closing, I think that that should be the big headline on Leafs Lunch today. Julia says window closing. (laughs) No, I can't get radioed on my own show. Someone run with that. It's illegal. You can't do it to the host. Steph Apolito, there's the the clip. (laughs) There it is right there. All all kidding aside, Julia, all kidding aside. So I'm going to go back a little bit in time. 
And, and we weren't a contending team when we did it. But we had a ton of young players, and we felt that we needed some things. In 1995, right about this time before the World Junior Tournament, Joe Newendike was holding out in uh, Calgary, and we had Mike Medano. And, you know, we, we, we had Jerome McGinley. Now, I'm going to tell you, did we think Jerome McGinley would score 600 goals and have the career he did? No. Absolutely. Did we think Jerome McGinley was going <laughs> to be a very good player? Absolutely we did. We knew we had a really good player with Jerome McGinley. But we looked at it and we said, you know what? If we trade Jerome McGinley and get Joe Newendike, we're going to be thrilled because we get a, we get a top-notch player in Joe Newendike, a player that's going to help us now and in the next couple of years. And we're going to be disappointed about losing Jerome McGinley. At the same time, we said if we keep Jerome McGinley and don't get Joe Newell, we're going to still be looking for a number for, for a center to play with Madonna, and that's something that doesn't come along every day. And we felt that at that point in time that we had to serve our current team. So I'm not saying that Rasmus Sandin can't serve the team or Timothy Lilligren can't serve the team. The bottom line is if you want to help Matthews and the core and everything, you cannot close your mind to any idea. That doesn't mean you say yes. That doesn't mean you just say nobody's an untouchable. If it improves your team, because remember, the Leafs are now looking at trying to be successful in this year. I'm not going to even go to next year. Yeah. Right? But, but the bottom line is, if you can improve your team and you think it can help you be better served to compete and, and move further along in the playoffs this coming year, you bloody well better be thinking about it and not dismissing it. The idea that you wouldn't trade Topi Niemela to help your team right now is ludicrous. It's absolutely what you have to do and consider. Okay, I love that line of thinking, and I also love that you gave us a new headline. Craig Button says, trade everyone on the Leafs. (laughs) (laughs) I just said nothing off the table. And, like, again, like, I, I, I was there. I yeah. was there. I did it. I, I, this isn't something where I'm talking like uh, in, in hypotheticals. Did it. Been yeah. there, done that. Not for the faint of heart. Okay, Craig, thank you so much for joining us, and I'll see you in Cornwall this weekend. I'm looking forward to it. I hope the weather stays, uh, you know, favorable and you don't run into any uh, travel issues. But if that's the case, travel safely, Julia. Look yeah. forward to seeing you in Cornwall. You too. You too. Craig Button, our TSN and, hockey and analyst. And Luca baby. Luca baby. <laughs> I, I wish like I was coming to Cornwall too now. I'm a little jealous I'm not. I'm going to be using that all day. Thank you, Craig. See you later. That's Craig Button, our TSN hockey analyst. Uh, yeah, I, I wonder where Craig is right now. We didn't usually we get a geographical location update on Craig Button because you never know where in the world Craig Button is. But he said something that led me to believe that he's somewhere better than us right now because the weather here is terrible. And he says, "I hope the weather stays favorable." So mm. I feel like he's somewhere better than us right now, Luca. But I, I don't even want to know. Last time he called us, he was in like Cabo or something. Oh, that's just... so nice. That's so nice. That's their that's our new game, GeoGuessr, where Craig is. Yeah, seriously. seriously. That should be the next quiz, actually. Um, ooh, we're going to have a little Luca baby list on the other side. For now, you're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050 and the iHeartRadio app. Matthews has done it again! Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Baby. Just slip a sable <laughs> under the tree. That me. is so good. Been an awful good girl. Luca, baby. That is so good, Owen. The you are a gem. Shout out to our tech producer, Owen, for, for that magic. 
This is the most holiday spirit I've felt thus far this year, I think. Alex is going to love that. She loves Christmas music and oh everything Christmas related. So that is just... I, I, I thought you were going to say Alex incredible. is going to love this. She loves Christmas music and anything Craig Button related. Well, I mean, who doesn't love anything <laughs> Craig Button related? That's the that's the real the real question. Yeah, that is incredible. Oh my gosh, that was fantastic. I, I need that... I need that audio file just to be able to use that everywhere. Incredible. Lease Busters will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie, a piece of cake. Avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit leasebusters.com. Okay, we got down a little bit of a rabbit hole with Craig Button, as, as sometimes we tend to, but it, it, it relates to something that has been kind of circulating around the NHL and we've been talking about on the show the past couple days. The idea that, um, okay, Kyle Dubas this year is a, I hate to use this term, but is a lame duck GM in that he doesn't have a contract for next year and that was wildly publicized at the beginning of the season. He was asked about it over and over again to start the year. He went out and just addressed it, said, I don't have a contract next year and I'm cool with that and I'm cool with the idea that results this year are going to speak for themselves and and that's the hope coming into the season. Um, There's always concern when it comes to lame duck GMs and how much they can do or, or how mo- like there's it's lame duck GM is just a weird situation, but to Craig Button's point, um, Austin Matthews has to be re-signed after this year. Kyle Dubas doesn't have a contract next year. Like if the Leafs are going to win, they've had a kick at this thing a whole bunch of times now. It, it, I don't think it's any secret that it has to be this year, right? They got to make something happen this year. They have to. Yeah, like they if they lose There's in the no first question. round again, I don't think Kyle Dubas gets another. Like I don't think I'm saying anything controversial right now and saying no. I don't think Kyle Dubas gets another contract. I think one of those core pieces go. Like that. That just seems to. I think that's just the fact at the end of this year. So the idea that the Leafs wouldn't throw everything at the board, put everything on the table this year in order to win. Um, it's crazy to me. Like, I, I think that they're going to throw everything at the board in order to win. So when we say names like Ryan O'Reilly or Bo, Bo Horvat, I don't think it's I don't think it's crazy talk. No, I don't think so either. And like, we don't know what the prices for those players is going to be, and especially for Horvat, if he keeps scoring like he is, like he's got twenty one goals, twenty nine games, and just nine assists. He's uh, he's he's the what do they call those players that just score a ton but don't assist? Cy Young Yeah, numbers? the Cy Young. The Cy Young numbers. That's uh, that's what Bo Horvat's got. But honestly, like if you look at the teams, the two teams that were in the cup final last year, like the Avs finally made a trade where it was like, okay, this is one of our top prospects in Justin Barron for Arturi yeah. Lekkanen. And like, Lekkanen, not the biggest name, but he was pivotal and still is pivotal in their success. And then Tampa Bay, they traded multiple first-round picks for Brandon Hagel. They gave up a lot for him just to continue to look for ways to get their team better and um, get just a different a different vibe with the team going like they they knew that Palat could leave in free agency so now you've got Brandon Hagel who you yeah. gave up a lot for you insert him into that role and that's what you risk to get to a cup final that's for years in a row and I don't have the Leafs taken that risk as far as not like, really like everybody cries about Nick Felino like it was that wasn't a risk to me that was just an overpayment to me it yeah. was just like what it, it was an overpayment because of what happened but I, I yes. that situation will always kind of make me roll my eyes because like yeah Nick Felino knew his back was gonna go out in the first round of the playoffs that like, exactly but i guess they haven't paid for a player of like a, a caliber of a ryan o'reilly totally or a they've never made a move that. like that exactly they, they've banked on the fact that their core was going to be enough to get it done in the playoffs and that just has not been the case thus far because in the playoffs it hasn't been defense it hasn't been goaltending it hasn't it's been like the leafs can't score in the playoffs uh and we're not pulling these names out of a hat 
randomly. Uh, this is this is a little nugget from our pal Pierre Lebrun. He wrote this in The Athletic about Ryan O'Reilly. Um, I'm going to read it word for word so I don't radio him. Not that I think anything is imminent. We're only in December, but my sense, is, my sense this week after talking to a few NHL teams is they expect the Blues to listen on their pending UFA captain, Ryan O'Reilly, in the new year. Uh, the Blues continue to play inconsistent hockey, and it's not giving anyone confidence that the season will get back on track. I think the Maple Leafs have talked about O'Reilly internally. Whether that leads to showing interest with the Blues in the new year, we shall see. Like with Horvat, the avalanche would make sense. I mean, any contender would have interest in the 2019 NHL playoff MVP. So, we didn't make this up. It's a real thing that's tracking around the universe right now. That Bo Horvat, Ryan O'Reilly, real names uh, that could be involved with the Maple Leafs. And this morning on First Up, our host and our former NHLer, Carlo Koliakovo, uh, was kind of shooting it around on, on who he thinks would be a better target for the Leafs. Oh, you're definitely choosing Ryan O'Reilly over Bo Horvat. Um, just because <clears throat> of the pedigree that he brings. Um you know, unbelievable face-off guy, great penalty killer, great leader, as he's the captain of the um, the St. Louis Blues. He's got a con Smythe. He's had success in the playoffs. I mean, you're you're looking for guys that have that resume of knowing and 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 understanding how it, what it takes to win in the playoffs. And this is no shot at Bo Horvat, but he doesn't necessarily come with those same credentials. So, you know, I know Ryan O'Reilly's 31 years old, and I know that he hasn't gotten off to the greatest year offensively, but he I think he's still got a lot left in the tank. I mean, Bo Horvat's having a great year, uh, but if, if and, and I honestly think that Ryan O'Reilly would cost less. Um, yeah, so that's not up for debate. Ryan O'Reilly had a really slow start to the season. We remember how, like, what did the Blues lose during that one stretch, 11 or 12 in a row? Something yeah. abysmal like that. He wasn't scoring at all. He has nine goals and, and six assists in 15 games. Sorry, nine goals, six assists, 15 points in 29 games played this season. Mm-hmm. So not off to a hot start as Ryan O'Reilly, but like Carlos said, Con Smythe, um, Play, like you're not going to argue with that pedigree, and and he knows what to do. Come postseason, Bo Horvat definitely uh, off to a better start this year, though. Do you have do you have a thought on who might be a better fit for the Leafs? Like, is it just easy to say Ryan O'Reilly because you're like Ontario boy, throw him in? <laughs> well, I was going to say like hearing Carlo talk about him and hearing all the pedigree stuff, and like we know how good he is in faceoffs and his two way plays outstanding and his leadership and all this like that must get you excited right like i that, love ryan o'reilly like, yeah, it's gonna, well like, documented are... every time we play the game at the office <laughs> i love ryan o'reilly yeah a huge ryan o'reilly girl so I, I don't even feel comfortable commenting on this okay okay <laughs> honestly I, I guess the fit part of this is like where where do you play whoever is coming in on forward like second line left side yes i think Yes. That, so it's got to be a power forward up there on the left side for which kind of leans me to to go with Horvat. Right. Just because I also forgot that Bo Horvat's from London, so I guess we can throw the Ontario, Ontario boy tag boy. at either one of them. <laughs> I don't know why I thought he did not think of him as an Ontario boy, but honestly, everyone can he's a just, London Knight too. When in I doubt, just thought he was a London Knight, not a London boy. <laughs> well, get him with Mitch Marner, you know. They, oh my gosh, they definitely didn't play together, but uh, it's it's okay. Just they would London love to Knights. talk London Knights together. They would love to talk London Knights. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's so interesting because. 
a guy like O'Reilly, you just pencil him in and you're like, experience, leadership. He's done it. He's seen it. He's represented Canada on the national stage Because that's something they well. really like, lack to me. Is Yeah, they've got Matt Murray, who, who's won. Um, Jake Muzzin, who's won. That's it. Anyone else? No, that, that's really Yeah, they like had Abe Kubel, was... Kubel, who had won, yeah. and he got picked up on waivers. And he Dented threw the, the cup. cup on the ground. It was so <laughs> unnecessary. But that's something I find that the Leafs lack, actually, is championship yeah pedigree and something really valuable so then maybe and especially with like i I feel like jason spezza was always that guy where it was like whenever they needed something like spezza was the guy right whenever there was a locker room speech or just advice or you're looking for that leadership and mentorship in those tight spots where it's game seven like Spezza's probably the guy that you're leaning on because he's the old guy he's seen it all he's gone to a cup final um that said yeah Bo Horvat doesn't have any of that resume stuff and it is important it, it, is it important. definitely is I know like the Avs talked about how Andrew Cogliano was that right. guy for them and yeah he had never made it to a cup final per se but he's played a ton of playoff games played with like Getzlaff and Perry and those duck days where they were going to the playoffs a bunch and he was the guy that just was that voice in the locker room that was really important. So O'Reilly's definitely a much more skilled player. So who that did they also have helps. that was the former Cup winner though? Who who won it like a million years in advance and who got a, a, a goal in the dying seconds of a playoff game to win it for them? Oh, Darren Helm. Yes. Yeah, they had Helm as well, yeah, which yeah. was <laughs> God love Darren Helm. That guy. You need a Stanley Cup winner in the room. I just think that you do. And, and yeah. Matt Murray is a Stanley Cup winner. He's talked to me on the ice every single night though, and I, I think it's cool when it comes from a player. Um, yeah, of all the grizzled vets that the Leafs have brought in, whether you look at Patrick Marlowe, whether you look at Jason Spezza, whether you look at, uh, oh God, help me out here. There's been like a million, Joe Thornton, like there's been a bunch of these grizzled vets that the Leafs have brought in, um, to be kind of that guiding light for their younger guys. And, and maybe that's Mark Giordano now, the, the grizzled vet on the point, but I think it, it often is a guy looking to win his first cup that look at the Leafs and are like, okay, let's take one last kick at it with this really talented young team. I think they should try bringing in someone who has already won. I like it. I, I like it. It's different from anything they've done before, so you should probably try it if you're going for this whole different team approach in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. So things change in the playoffs, and, and you need some experience and need guys who've been there before. And I think... I think Ryan O'Reilly would be would be an attra- attractive ad, personally. Um, other side, we'll get to Luca Baby's list because we did not get to it in this block. That is okay. Uh, for Julie Tashir and Luca Celebre, you're listening to Leafs Lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion. Okay, Julia Tashari, Luca Celebre with me on Leafs Lunch today. We're going to have Claire Hanna join us in the next uh, 15 minutes or so. She's coming at us from the Big Apple. Leafs Rangers tonight on TSN 4. Hannah, Claire Hanna, rather, is uh, taking a break from the Sens beat, joining us on, on the Leafs beat while Mark Masters is off at Team Canada camp and in Moncton, so I'm looking forward to hear from her. It's always, it's always. I, I wonder what her perspective is like going from covering the Sens on a day-to-day basis to uh, covering the Leafs on a day-to-day. Like totally, 
totally different energy right now. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to ask her about that too. And also just like the little stuff you pick up watching a team. Yeah. Like you, you see all of their, I don't know, superstitions or little quirks that they have. So I'm excited to get that insight. And I feel like that stuff sticks out more when you don't cover a team every single day. Yes. Like it becomes a little mundane when you're like, there's Austin, what a beauty, and there's Mitch, and like, <laughs> shout out to the crowd. And, and then you come in after uh, Claire, especially, like things are a little dark in Ottawa right now to come yeah. to a Toronto team that's just buzzing right now. It's, it's probably a bit of a treat for, for her. And uh, New York around Christmas doesn't sound bad either. No. Uh, Luca's list. We haven't done one of these in a while, but we're looking at trophies today. Luca? We are. It's a bit inspired by the NBA naming or renaming rather their trophies after just legendary players like the MVP is now the Michael Jordan trophy. So I reimagined four trophies for current players playing because there are some future Hall of Famers obviously playing and and the greats of the game playing right now that when their careers are all said and done. They may be leaders in as far as how many times they've won these trophies, and some already are. So let's start with the Selkie. It's we got to rename it after Patrice Bergeron. If yes. we're if we're doing a specific player to get that one, he's already won it more times than anyone. He is the epitome of the Selkie Trophy. Like there, he's is more no Selkie than Selkie himself. Like, oh, absolutely. This one, this one is the most slam dunk to me yeah like we don't we don't have to spend any more time on on this one i don't think honestly a lot of these are kind of slam dunks like ov for the rocket i don't know i don't know i feel Matthews? like that one's more slam dunk to you and i but like mike bossy's got to be in there yeah. somewhere especially with him passing recently that's true but I, it, it does if, if you're talking anyone born after the year like 1990 probably feels a little bit more Ovi-like. I guess the only argument you could make is how many more times do you think Matthews is going to win it? Like, Do you think Matthews ends up with more Rockets than Ovi when his career is all said and done? The problem is if Ovi ends up we as were talking the greatest about this... goal scorer ever, then yeah. you just you got to name it after him. I, I agree. That that one does feel, yeah. Now, the more you convince me on it, I just wanted to give Mike Bossy some love, but yeah. that one probably does feel slam dunk as well. McDavid, after... Okay, but what about, Ross. you remember that guy, 99, he buzzed around out there pretty good? He did. He won it 10 <laughs> times. McDavid's already got four. He's well You're on right. his way to five. Like, he only needs five more, and how old is McDavid? He's he's still in his early 20s, isn't yeah. he? Like, he has got so many years ahead of him. He's going to be playing with Leon for so many years. He is going to be the so unquestioned. So do you go hard? The, the Gretzky? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I Gretzky well, needs one. He needs one for like sure. Like one, he changed everything. Like some Gretzky records you look at, and you're just like, that is stupid. And it's funny because the goal record is one of them that you look at, and you're like, that is stupid. Yeah. No one's breaking that. And somebody probably is going to the like. There's so many stupid you go Ted Gretzky Lindsay records. As Gretzky, yeah. Oh, I, so I was more. I just wanted to focus on more current players yeah. playing. But you're okay. right, Gretzky does need one. It's let us know if you're tweet at us is. What, tweet what, at us or tweet text at us. us or text us. What <laughs> what award should uh, be named after Gretzky if there is yeah, one? Yeah, somebody just texted us and said the Rockets should stay the Rocket. It wasn't that long ago. And also, it was pretty long ago. Wait, the other thing about the Rocket is sick name. Oh yeah, it's incredible. It's an incredible name. It feels like the right name for the for what the trophy's for. So I'm into the Rocket staying the same. And also, let's make this clear because I saw this discourse happening online too. The Stanley Cup remains the Stanley Cup. 
Yeah. Why? People wanted to change? I don't know. That was like an argument people were using as to, no, you shouldn't change the trophy names because then you have to change the Stanley Cup name because he just, uh, Lord Stanley obviously just donated it, right? And that's the argument with some of these, that they were just donated Fair. by these characters. However, I'm, there's no rhyme or reason as to why it remains the Stanley Cup. It is just simply the Stanley Cup. No further questions asked. That one doesn't get changed. I, on that same note, though, I would definitely change the ones outside the Stanley Cup that were just donated because it's yeah. like, they were just donated? No, name it after someone that's actually like done something in hockey and has significance in the hockey world that embodies what that trophy is supposed to be. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Last one I've got. It's early, but... Makar, Norris. You're a real psycho for that yeah. one. I know, I know. So and It's the most it, bold one. It's the most bold. Who else would work for this right now? The or? I mean... They're, no one they're active. Probably, yeah, I, this is like the biggest projection. So I also really liked what they were talking about on the panel the other night. About like, so what if you made the Makar or the Fox or the... Or or something like that for the most offensive defenseman because I think that has to exist. Uh, or, I don't know how I feel about that. You don't like it? I don't. It exists for forwards. There's so many great defensemen that don't put up a lot of points that get totally slighted as a result of it. And it's as a result of the position changing and and def- like a lot gets driven from the point now. But it's a defenseman's job, really, at the end of the day, is just to shut things down. It is, but what if you're also, like, you're shutting things down while simultaneously just putting up insane numbers? Like, I, I'm not going to yeah. say Makar's the best defensive defenseman in hockey right now, but he's also not, like, what Eric terrible Carlson is right now defensively, according Does to the Does Eric metrics. Carlson have terrible defensive numbers? Yeah, I didn't metrics, realize like, that. I've his never metrics right it. now are not great, and I think when he won his Norris's, like they were, they were solid, but not to the best defensive standards, okay. so to speak. So, um, and he's a front runner for the Norris this year because of what he's doing offensively. Which, by that, by that logic, I'd agree with you in having a separate award for the best offensive defenseman. But I also think then you're kind of devaluing what guys like Adam Fox or Kale McCarr or even Victor Hedman bring on the defensive side because they're not slouches in that area just because they put up these gaudy numbers. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's an argument to be made too. But nobody's saying like, oh, Bergeron, yeah, great defense forward, but he doesn't score very much. Like the guy, guy's a weapon offensively too. I think just maybe an additional one because now it's turned into defensive defensemen aren't being recognized at all. It's true. It's true. Right. That, that's a good point. It's. Jacob Slavin, Slavin, like, what's he doing? Yeah. He's going to score one goal in the next two years, but he's going to be <laughs> sick defensively all the time. And yeah. He needs some love for that other than the Lady Bing. His cut-ups <laughs> are so fun to watch where it's just like, this is Jacob Slavin doing his thing for two minutes in a game, and it's just his stick positioning, breaking up passes, Textbook. the breakout pass. It's, it's incredible. It's what everyone Any should watch. coach salivating, yep. watching it. And then, and then it comes to naming the best defenseman in the league. It's like, that guy? <laughs> I don't know. Boring. He doesn't get any penalties. <laughs> Maybe get him a Lady Bing or something like okay. that. You've, you've somewhat convinced. I mean, Nick Lidstrom has won the Norris a bunch of times, too. Oh, true. He feels yeah. like someone that if you want to go a more older guy to do it or a historical guy when it's all said and done, yeah. Um, I'm noticing one missing, and it's the Vesna. I just don't know. Yeah. Goaltending is so difficult. I, I really don't Some know. Some goalies are the best goalies in the world one day, and then the next day they're just like 
We're going to talk about Shesterkin. Like, he's been great this year, but his numbers obviously haven't been what they were last year because, of course, they aren't. Like, those were numbers that you see once in a lifetime. But nobody felt, of course, they were. It was like, oh, yeah, Shesterkin's that guy. It was, it's, he's the new, he's the new, not the new Vasilevsky because Vasilevsky hasn't gone anywhere, but he's the new guy that belongs in that echelon. Uh, Connor Hellebuck in that echelon, but had a bad year last Mm -hmm. year. So it's, it's hard and so hard to predict. Year to year to predict. And, and that's why. I'm not going to predict an award. <laughs> that's, that's why, why you're you not predicting one, and that's why you don't pay goalies. Uh, Claire Hanna and Johnny Lazarus will join us on the other side to tee up the Leafs versus the Rangers tonight. Game you can watch on TSN 4. That's hour one of Leafs Lunch with Julie Cherry and Luca Celebre. Hour two coming up next.